0: Episode 6. This is your host, Brett Elston, and this is the official podcast for Brave Wave Music. And joining me for the first time uh, via Skype uh, on the other end of the line is Alex. Hello.
1: Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Um, Right now I'm in Vegas. It's been a pretty busy week, but... What's going on in Vegas? I just had a few things to take care of here. Uh, Nothing's directly related to Brave Wave, but...
0: A few things, huh?
1: Yeah. I went and saw a few shows and I saw a boxing fight while I was here. So oh, nice.
0: it's a pretty packed weekend then.
1: Yeah, but I'm headed back this afternoon, so it's a bit of a bit of a rush today. But I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh of course. Yeah, well it's actually quite appropriate for you to be on the show. It's surprising we've got six episodes into this and you your voice, if people have been listening, they've heard your voice uh, through a couple of interviews. Uh, as translator, but you do a, a lot more than just translating interviews uh, for Brave Wave, so I thought this would be a good time to let everyone know in case they, they maybe see your name or heard your name with regards to Brave Wave, and are like, oh, what does he do again? And in fact, <laughs> it's, it's quite crucial to the entire operation.
1: Yeah, um, I co-founded Brave Wave with Mohammed. Um I think he talked about this on one of the first few episodes, uh, mm-hmm. but he had asked for my assistance... Uh, about three years ago in order to get Koopa Soundworks at the time off the ground mm-hmm. and uh, connecting him with a few Japanese composers and then a few months later we turned it into a business so now uh, while Mohammed's in charge of a lot of the creative direction within the company I'm doing work behind the scenes in a in a business sense so I do business development uh, contract management a little bit of accounting um uh, I manage the Japanese side of things, mm-hmm. so it's a few different things. It's it's really hard to describe, but I guess it's back-end in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a lot of that stuff where if there's any creative person putting a lot of stuff out, there is at least one or two people behind them uh, helping make that possible.
1: Right, right. I mean, I I don't have much of a front-facing presence in the company, but I'm definitely working every day.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And making and I mean, be, being in J- Japan and and fluent in Japanese makes it that like that without that like that extra connection to a lot of these composers isn't possible. And I think that's one of the advantages Brave Wave has is we have a foot in Japan and a foot in outside, and that lets a lot of uh, business opportunities open up that other companies reaching out for vinyl or whatever may may not have or may not have as easy access to.
1: Yeah, right. I I mean, we have a lot of friends in the industry, and I haven't met anyone else who has quite the the combination of abilities and talents that we have here at Brave Wave, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Um, yeah, most most labels, even you know Japanese labels, they tend to be very focused on doing business in Japan, and I think they don't do as much business overseas because language ability, cultural difference. Mm-hmm um you know it's it's not easy to run a global operation right. you know and even though Bravewave is still pretty small i do think that at the core of it we do run a very global kind of presence uh, i'm i'm based in japan and of course you're based in san francisco mohammed's mm-hmm. in kuwait and marcos in switzerland so that's four different time zones yeah. uh three different continents
0: yeah, every it's a time a lot
1: we, of back and forth. Yeah,
0: every time we've been like, "What's the time we could all talk?" There is literally no time on a twenty-four hour <laughs> spot yeah. where it's, it's like somebody's got to take the hit every time.
1: Yes, you know, I I think that's the reason why I haven't had a real opportunity to get on the podcast yet is because time zone wise, there isn't really a good time that works yeah. out for all four different time zones.
0: Yeah, when Muhammad and I usually record, so let's say it's usually Monday morning, uh, like my 10 a.m. Pacific, and for him, I think it's getting into the evening.
1: Right. Uh, and, but, but for you, for... it's like
0: the middle, it's like midnight or 1 a.m. or something. Or
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, it's pretty late. It's What time is it in Tokyo right now? It is... Let's see two o and two o nine a m. Two o nine
0: a m. Yeah, and it's, it's ten o'clock in the morning 40. here, and you're in the same time zone as me in Vegas. Yes, I think, yeah. yes. So yeah, uh, inside baseball, but uh, it's just one of those one of those things you don't really think about. Like, oh yeah, let's do podcasts, and it's like, oh, uh, hmm, mm. we have to really be careful about scheduling the time. Um, but right. speaking of time zones, part of your duties involves a lot of traveling, but you also like travel with composers, and and you seem to travel uh, you could, watching photos and stuff on Twitter, like m- with Manami Matsumai, like what all have you done in the last, like, I guess even since this year started, like as far as travel or work with her or taking her to events or, or, or things like that.
1: Yeah. We've gotten a lot of requests for her attendance in recent years. So I'm trying to count how many times have I traveled with Manami. <laughs> outside of Japan. And it's quite a few times now. We went to PAX once. We went to Taiwan once. We went to the States twice, MAGFest being the latest one. And then we went to Mexico once. Oh. We went to Indonesia twice. So I think I've been abroad with her seven or eight times now. Yeah, I think it's eight times because we also went to Paris last year for Japan Expo. Right. So I've crisscrossed many parts of the world with her, which is really... Uh, which was unexpected when we first started the company, but you know, there's a lot of demand for people outside of Japan to meet uh, the composers that we work with.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, to, I don't know how uh, it registers with you, but like the idea of like, oh yeah, as a kid realizing, well, one day I'll travel, literally travel the globe with the Mega Man composer, and just, <laughs> <laughs> how that would hit me.
1: Yeah, I mean that 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 that's one of the fun parts of this job. Um, going to going out to all these events, meeting people, doing panel discussions or um, yeah. talks. I mean, when I'm not traveling with the composers, sometimes I'll be going to GDC or to E3, Gamescom. Um, sometimes packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, next month, I'm going to go to Casual Connect for the first time in Singapore.
0: Uh, I've heard of it. I've never, obviously, never been, but I do <laughs> recognize the name.
1: Right, right. So I'm I'm trying to just see what's out there in. In each market, in terms of game music, and you know, some markets are obviously more lucrative than others. You know, kind of getting into the business talk here for a moment. Uh, but sure. yeah, I, I think that unfortunately there isn't m- as much interest from within Japan's game industry toward game music mm. compared to the West.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, if for them, it's old hat because they had access to it eighties, nineties, two thousands, and never really. It was never really, like, a hidden art, whereas in the West, like, the West in general, anything not Japan, basically, uh, it's like, oh, you can buy game music? Uh, I didn't know.
1: Yeah, I think I think the, the, the uh, I guess the B2C market is very well developed. Mm. Uh, I think just about every major game gets an official soundtrack release. They get a packaged version. Mm-hmm. Um, download, it's kind of iffy. Like, so some soundtracks are on iTunes, some aren't. Um, but I'm I'm talking more on the fan end. Ah. I, I think there are many fans, but they aren't very vocal about their interests. So that has led to a lot of surprise on behalf of some of these Japanese composers that we work with, who didn't realize that they had fan bases because right. they 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 felt that from within Japan there hadn't been much uh, response on that end, but most of their uh, fan mail or whatever you call it comes from overseas so I I I think that's very interesting
0: yeah so like even using Mega Man as an example I guess like I'm not aware and granted I don't live in Japan but I'm not aware of many Mega Man tribute bands but in the US alone I can name like five and right, when, right. As absolutely. a composer, if you found that out, you'd be like, oh, wow, I guess the U.S. and the West really loves this stuff, and maybe Japan doesn't. And when it's like, like you said, they probably are fans, they're just not expressing it in the same way.
1: Right, right. So I think, you know, one of our goals at Brave Wave is to overcome that hurdle, kind of create a not, – not, not a unified front, per se. That sounds really strange to say, but, you know, maybe a more coherent – Right, organized – organized experience across the globe not just you know we do one thing for one country and another thing for another country we want there to be a degree of overlap i guess the latest album that we worked on Terra magica is one of those examples where we try to attempt that
0: yeah and that's actually out this week correct
1: yes i believe uh, today's the 11th right so it'll be out on the 13th officially maybe a bit earlier for people uh in north america and europe because Uh, We're releasing it on the 13th Uh, in Japan, which is a bit ahead of everyone else. Right.
0: It's like basically the 12th, depending, especially if you're on the East Coast, you'll get it a little sooner.
1: Right, right. Or Iceland, I
0: guess, we'll get an early crack at it.
1: Iceland, Uh, uh, Europe, um, Europe Kuwait. I I, I mean, basically, yeah, it's the 12th, late late on the 12th or early on the 13th, depending on where you're at.
0: But Terra Magica is is an album that was announced, was it a year and a half ago, maybe? No, it's two years ago. Two years ago.
1: We announced it, it, yeah, at Bit Summit 2014, which Uh, was in Kyoto in March of that year. So, yeah, it's been a while. We wanted to get it out originally in 2014 or early 2015. But, um, you know, as a small label, we only have so much, so many resources. Yeah,
0: there's only so many hours in the day and projects you can have going at one time.
1: Yeah, and I think for a company of our scale, we actually put out a lot of content uh, with surprising regularity. Uh, so we got Journey out that year instead of mm-hmm. uh, the solo album, which a lot of people liked, thankfully. Uh, and then like just a few months after that, it was the Yamagishi album. And a few months after that, Heartbeat Circuit, and then Street Fighter Two, obviously, yeah. was a huge, uh, a great project, but also very time-consuming on a lot of fronts. Yes, definitely. So, yeah, it's good that we finally found the window of opportunity for this album.
0: Yeah, and I guess if if you're listening and aren't totally familiar with it, this is uh, by Sa- Saori Kobayashi, who worked on Panzer Dragoon Saga, Panzer Dragoon Orta, and most recently, I guess, Crimson Dragon, as far as games, game soundtracks. Uh, yeah,
1: she, she actually did an Adventure Time game on mobile. I think it was Adventure ah. Time Puzzle Quest. Okay. I mean, it was uh, very interesting because that's another... I guess, major Western IP. So it might be her first Western game, but we never really had much of an opportunity to really talk about that. Right, But she did that too, yeah, to huh.
0: be fair. There's a lot of fun connections there because I remember Jake Kaufman doing a soundtrack for Adventure Time game a few years ago, and that was really good. Right. Um, but then we worked with them. or Well, I wasn't at Brave Wave at the time, but then Jake is no stranger to Brave Wave.
1: Yeah, we've, we've uh, met him. A few times, yeah. uh, at most recently at PAX a few years ago. Yeah, so he performed with Manami Matsumaya that yeah. year in Seattle. So,
0: it's yeah, I've had him, and I've had him. Uh, it's been man, it's probably been four years. I had Jake on VG Empire uh, Game Music Podcast. I think when Mighty Switch Force came out, uh, shortly after that, and we talked about his work there. But back to Terra Magica, like it's a hard, it's hard thing to like get across quickly in words. But it is one of these like projects that I'm so glad so happy to to know it exists because, Mm -hmm. like, the world of Panzer Dragoon, it's it's weird. It's, like, fantasy flying sci-fi dragons in this endless ocean. Yeah, in this world that, like, I can't really describe. It's a very... It reminds me very much of, like, a Miyazaki movie or specifically something like Nausicaa or... Mm. Like, but there's not... It's that type of world that is not overdone. You don't see it a lot. It's like, oh, you can't say, oh, it's like Lord of the Rings, or oh, it's like this, it's like this, it's like. I just feel like, oh, Panzer Dragoon is the thing I would refer back to when I want to well, describe this kind of world uh, that this sound that this album is kind of uh, invoking those same feelings as the Dr- Panzer Dragoon series.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's pretty deliberate.
0: Oh, of course, so, yeah.
1: Basically, I mean, to be honest, when we were planning this album. You know, Kobayashi-san asked me. So, what should I make? What should I compose? Because it was Mohammed who came up with the idea for a solo album. She hadn't been, uh, she had not been thinking about it officially at the time we had started working together. But Mohammed came up with a proposal, and she said yes. Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking, you know, what should we make? Should we make it similar to what she does for Akane, which is more Japanese-oriented with vocals, or? Mm-hmm. Should she try something new or should she try doing something Panzer Dragoon-like? And I think she had wanted to do the Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon style the most because, I mean, as far as any of us, either of us are concerned, there's no new game forthcoming. <laughs> so. Right, yeah. I mean, basically, the idea was if you had to make a Panzer Dragoon game in 20, at the time it would have been 2014 or 2015, uh, what kind of music would you make? Um, what yeah. kind of themes would you evoke? And how would you uh, apply that with the skills you've gained since uh, the last Panzer Dragoon game, which was about 14, 15 years ago, maybe?
0: Yeah, so- I think Ordo was like 02, maybe? 03? Probably yeah i think it was yeah,
1: just, i think it was like o two in Japan and just a few months after that in the states so it's been a while yeah and, you know she did do Crimson dragon which was also very similar in a lot of respects um but at the same time uh i still uh, I, I mean for Crimson dragon in particular, her original soundtrack didn't even come out with the final game it was uh mod it was arranged by a different composer uh. which was good but you know for her it's not her it's not 100 percent her work Mm -hmm. right and you know a lot of composers have a very strong protectiveness over their work so if if it's been rearranged and that's the version available then you know the satisfaction level might not be as high so this was kind of maybe a way for her to make up for that in some ways
0: Mm yeah i mean I, I listened to it all uh muhammad shared the files with me and we we were kind of he was stuck on naming some of the tracks and working with her on like what should each album or what should each track be called and we were like you know i shot some ideas over of like oh this song invokes this feeling of like you know flight or dawn or soaring or which i, I did love uh her name Sauri, uh it, if you rearrange the letters you have i soar
1: which, oh really? I did not even <laughs> think of that. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I was like, I'm like, well, I wish I shouldn't do that in a track because that's too, that's too uh, anagram jokey. But uh, I did like the. I don't know if that's, it's probably not irony, but uh, it's the opposite of irony that it's quite appropriate.
1: Well, but, I don't, I don't like how eyesore sounds. Because... Yeah, yeah. It's more of like I, <laughs> comma,
0: not, uh, not an eyesore, but rather I uh, <laughs> on wings sore um but no the, it's it's music that if if you you know had access to a Saturn in, uh, back in the day or <coughs> played dragoon or uh well yeah saga especially i mean that's definitely a difficult one to track down but for everyone who did i think it touched everybody in a very way that most people who played it won't forget it and a big part of that is the music it it sets the tone and the stage and it gels with the world so well and then even when you look at the album art, uh, it's from the illustrator who worked on the series, and yeah. it just all it just ties it all together so well, where you can kind of feel like, man, if there were a new game, this is like this is what would have come with it.
1: Right, right, and I think in that sense, she did a fantastic job. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, um, the, it's kind of a u- reunification of a lot of the old staff from the games too. Um, uh, yeah, like, I meant, like you mentioned, the uh, artist, the graphic illustrator from the Saturn Panzer Dragoons, and more recently, Crimson Dragon did the illustration f- for the cover. Um, uh, yeah, and yeah. then the liner notes are all by ex-Panzer Dragoon staff, including the director of the Saturn games, uh, Tatsugi san Yukio Tatsugi, mm. who is now at Grounding. And he also, I believe, directed Crimson Dragon. Oh, so. Nice. You know, this was a nice opportunity for a lot of those people to start working together again, even if, you know, the scale isn't so huge and there's no game to go with it, unfortunately. But as far as I think Kobayashi-san's musical talents are concerned, I think it was a great, great chance for her to show what, she, what she's capable of. And on that note, I also agree that a lot of people really do like uh, the music from Panzer Dragoon. I think that the most notable person is James Mielke, um, mm. who's the uh, the founder and the organizer for Bit Summit. Yeah, um, very, very nice guy. Like, his favorite soundtracks, according to him, are actually both Panzer Dragoon Saga and Orda. So nice. I think that means a lot coming from someone like him, who's obviously very experienced with the games and plays a lot of games and knows yeah. a lot of people.
0: And he's been in the business for long, a like, long time, so... Right. Uh, that praise comes, you know, with a lot of experience behind it. Right. So, yeah, if you're listening, you can now, by the time this episode comes out, uh, the release of Terra Magica will be quite imminent. Um, and if you listen to it uh, at any point past, you know, to the Tuesday that this posts, uh, it'll be out on uh, Um It'll be right there up at the top, Terra Magica. I encourage everybody listening to check it out. And, and if, if, you know, this is just one of those projects that, that Brave Wave really is known for of, this composer who maybe never knew the extent to which they, their music was appreciated in the day. And this is a chance for them to put out something new that's completely from them and from the heart and a, an opportunity they might not have ever got had brave wave, not been there. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be out on the rave wave store, which is always where we put stuff out first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely, you know, along with retroactive, especially yes. one of those projects in which, you know, by buying it, you are directly supporting the efforts of these people. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're a fan, you know, I, I definitely you know encourage you to pick it up. Yeah, um, it'll be available on the streaming services as well. So if you don't want to per- buy the album for full price, for example, you can stream it on Apple Music or Spotify, mm. um, and that's fine too. You know, as long as people are listening to it, I think that's enough to make the composers very happy and more moreover, very motivated, because I think motivation is a huge, huge element of working with Japanese composers, Um, in my opinion, uh, my not-so-scientific opinion, but more often, uh, more so than working with composers from different countries. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that, you know, it's, you know, Japanese composers can get demotivated if something goes wrong, in my experience, Hmm. Um, and, and that's actually true for some of the people we work with as well, but... Just the same, you know, with the right amount of, I guess, stimuli or stimulus sure. or, or, I guess, encouragement, you know, their motivation can just as easily shoot up. Right. So I really hope that people come out and support more projects like this, like Terra Magica, like Retroactive.
0: It's kind of a universal feeling where if you spend a lot of time on something and then, you're not you're not doing it for the purpose of getting accolades and a lot of attention. But when you when you do hear like, oh, nobody really heard it or shared it or paid attention, regardless of what it is, whether it's an album or a, a drawing or anything, it can be like, oh, hmm, so should I keep doing that or and then right, ho- right. And then even the slightest bit of encouragement, the the kind the one kind word said on, you know, some passing by. It's like, oh, sweet. If I met if one person, bothered to actually say something then that probably means there's more who are enjoying it and uh just kind of quiet and that's an encouragement
1: right right i mean you know Mohammed's talked about this before but on the deep end you know we have people like kageyama masashi kageyama, kageyama who did um gimmick mm-hmm. or takashi tateishi who ended up just quitting yeah. game music uh composition completely because um there was really no motivating factor for them to continue doing what they had been doing before, so yeah. either went to photography or started their own companies or ended up doing other things. And on the other hand, you know, on, on more mild levels, you'll have people like Kobayashi and Matsumae who continued making music, but they didn't focus on games per se. Right. So, you know, if people, if the industry still wants these people to keep working, then I really hope that they give these albums a look. Uh, give them a listen.
0: Absolutely, and we also have uh, like part of the album. So there's ten tracks, um, and then there's two remixes. One of which is Takahiro Izutani, uh, who did work on Bayonetta and some other track. Uh, some other
1: right, he did um, Metal Gear Solid Four. Hmm. I mean, he didn't he didn't do the tracks in the games themselves, but he did arrangements for them uh, for commercials and ah. other promotional videos. So I think I mean even I think that alone. Obviously, speaks for the kind of skill that he has. Well, yeah, that he
0: was trusted with, you know, one of Konami's biggest properties uh, to 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 touch the music in any way implies a level of uh, skill.
1: Yes, and he actually also worked with Ayumi Hamasaki, oh. uh, one of the Japan's one one of Japan's most famous, if not the most famous, uh, female singer of all time. Oh, so, wow. yeah, that, that 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 remix is, I think, guitar based. Okay. So that was she he was handpicked by Kobayashi to do a an arrangement rather of okay. one of the existing songs.
0: Yes, yeah, Starlight Wanderer, a uh, arrangement. Mm. And we also have uh, a remix for the track Mother by Machiro Yamane, who most I assume anyone listening to this show, a game about a game music label, uh, would know her from Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, Bloodlines, which I think is her debut track for Brave Wave, right?
1: Yes, this is the first time we've had the opportunity to work with her, so we're working on it. But we're hoping that we can do more work with her in the future. Have more on that at some point, (laughs) but But I I can't talk about that too much. Sure. Yeah, yeah, she. Yeah, we're hoping to kind of get more stuff going with her. So, yeah, Yeah. her her remix is amazing. You can't actually listen to it until the album comes out. But um, she managed to take a Panzer Dragoon song. And turned it into a Castlevania song. Oh wow! And I mean, I, I'm sure you, heard, I'm sure you listened to it, but I was like, you know, it was very mind blowing how talented Yamanesan is.
0: Yeah, the fact that she's a a part of this album, like wrapped up in all the Panzer Dragoon warm fuzzy feelings. Like, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on in this, in, just in this one project.
1: Right, right. And I think everyone's proud of it. At Brave Wave, Mohammed, myself. Um, you of course, the composers themselves. Actually, um, this is not really relevant if you're not in Japan. But on the 13th, uh, she, Kobayashi is going to perform songs from the album live in a in a live hall, a very small live hall in Japan. So if you're located in Tokyo and you have time on the evening of the 13th, um, hit up the hit up Kobayashi-san's website, and it'll have more information about that. Um, It'll be very interesting because she'll be performing, but uh, Yamane-san will be there. Izutani-san will be there. Yamagishi-san's actually going to go as well. So So, it's going to be a nice gathering of a few of Brave Waves uh, composers. So, yeah, we're very happy. So I hope everyone checks it out. I mean, I just want to get one more comment about it, is that it's actually probably the most pre-ordered album we've released so far, which is actually very very encouraging
0: yeah i didn't know that that's pretty cool
1: yeah we've definitely i mean i can't say the actual numbers themselves on this podcast but they've actually exceeded every other album we've opened for pre-order obviously except for street fighter 2 which was uh quite exceptional sure. but yeah so we're hoping that this is definitely a trend um uh, or the start of a new trend rather
0: yeah and I, I mean i think it just again speaks to like just all the good vibes surrounding a project like this like Mm. Again, like for me, it really gelled when I saw the album art. Where I'm like, in my mind, I can kind of conceptualize a, oh, cool, like a, an album in the style of Panzer Dragoon. That's that's great. And like the Saga soundtrack was incredible, and the game itself was quite memorable. Um, so great. Can't wait to hear it. And then I saw the album art, and I'm just like, oh, damn, there it is. Like that's like the whole mental picture is now complete. Even though you only have this snapshot of this waterlogged ocean planet, you can still like extrapolate, and then you have the music to kind of fill the rest of it in. And it's just It's a real pleasant, just a pleasant, uh, enjoyable experience to listen to the album. But uh, before we head out, I did want to talk one thing we meant to talk about like weeks ago, but again, the the scheduling lining up was so difficult. Uh, You went to MAGFest recently. And oh yeah a yeah, real it was quick my first rundown time. of oh your first time, even, so I just wanted like a rundown of like you know what you did and how you, how you felt about it.
1: Well, this was an interesting uh, trip to go on, and I guess I should explain everything from the very beginning, but in August of last year, um, for better or worse, Manami was Manami Matsumai was denied entry into the u s when mm-hmm. trying to transit through one of its airports because. Uh, basically visa related issues so we had to cancel her participation in PACS that time in seattle uh you know so we ended up looking up what all of the like visa requirements are to Uh perform in the u.s and you know even though you know to be honest many people don't actually get these uh visas um you do need them and if you're caught without it was, you know bad luck or bad preparation then you're gonna have to figure out a way to get it so her her request or her invitation to participate at MagFest came right after that so maybe around september or october i think september so so we so matsumai san and i spent months agonizing over getting the proper visa credentials mm-hmm. and you know, the, you know, talking with the people at MAGFest to give us those visa invitations or those invitation letters and trying to get the whole thing sorted out. But, you know, long story short, we didn't get the visa till maybe the visa till maybe like a week before we were supposed to leave. Oh, wow. Right. So it was basically six months of, you know, waking up every day wondering, OK, will she get her visa or not? Should we book tickets? Should she spend weeks rehearsing uh, for her performances with the other band members Identity Creates? You know, but long story short, she, she got the visa. Um, so we did manage to go, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- that just goes to show people what kind of job I have in the company. It's making sure problems like that don't ever happen again. Right, well, yeah. They're, they're kept to a minimum, or yeah. they're prevented uh, to the greatest extent possible. But the actual event itself, I mean, personally, I was very impressed because it's basically a giant, (laughs) never-ending party.
0: Yeah. They describe it always as a festival.
1: It it is. Yeah. And and almost every sense of the word, I do think it's a festival. The only thing they don't seem to have are parades (laughs) and kind of a logistical nightmare. but. Yeah, it's in National Harbor, Maryland, which is near D.C., um, in the Gaylord National Convention. So it's a huge hotel slash convention center. So there's usually like a bunch of performances going on by artists from mostly America, but also other countries, including Japan. So this year, the MAGFest committee, uh, those wonderful people, wanted to have the band from IntiCreate, so Ippo Yamada, mm-hmm. Jun Kawakami, and a few other members. Uh, they they did game soundtracks such as Mega Man Zero, mm-hmm. uh, the Gunvolt games, uh, and more recently, more recently, Mighty Number no. Nine. So, because of Mighty Number no. Nine, um, they wanted the Magfest committee wanted uh, Manami to attend as well. So, it ended up being her performing with the members of the IntiCreate band. And she also did a few tracks from uh, Mega Man 1 as well. So yeah. it was very fun. And she also had a good time. She did a panel discussion, not a panel discussion. She did a talk uh, on her experiences as a, as a game composer. Uh, the fan reactions were obviously very positive. Um, we met a lot of people who you know, told Manami how inspirational they were to, or she was to their lives as A game composer and that a lot of the stuff they do now is thanks to her so you know that's keeping keeping her motivation up uh yeah it was great i mean her performances are actually on youtube Mm. so i think one of them was posted or was linked to on the brave Wave facebook page if not definitely the twitter page so it's recommend people check it out it's really nice yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, it was one I actually had a a hotel booked. Um, but just as has always been the case for the last like five years when I try to go to MAGFest, uh, just the timing of it is always something happens or the financial commitment it, it gets difficult or I don't know. But this was the year I was like planning. plan. I plan like four months ahead, I'm going to go. And then like a month before, I'm like, I think I actually have to cancel again. Um, but one day... Because hmm. yeah, yeah, like we said, it's just everybody describes it as just if you like game music, it is just mm. a never-ending party for the entire weekend.
1: I mean, it's not just listening to concerts all sure. day. It's, um, yeah, there are arcades and... you can play at. Uh, they have merchandise for sale, so it's it's like it's kind of like packs in some senses, or like other like anime conventions with all the, uh-huh. the merchandise sales. But it's also all about the performances. Mm-hmm. So, all about the, the the autograph sessions, the panel talks. Um,
0: and then every year it gains a little bit more traction, like, uh, you know, composer, yeah. composers who, you know, would never think to travel to the U.S. because, like, oh, who's going to be there to care? And then it turns out, right. oh, many, many thousands of people are here.
1: Right, right. I mean, Keiji Nafune was actually in attendance yeah. this year. Uh, he was part of our. Larger group, including the Inti people, Brave Waves people. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty, pretty nice event. Um, I definitely encourage anybody uh, to, if you have the the means to go, to definitely check it out. Um, moreover, for composers, I definitely do recommend that Japanese composers kind of look into eventually performing at the event someday. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to get you know in the future perhaps other composers from the Brave Wave stable, especially uh, Yamagishi-san, to maybe one day perform. But it it actually does take a lot of preparation. And it's not, in many cases, it's not as simple as just bringing your instrument and just going there and playing. Uh, You have to practice for dozens, if not hundreds of hours before the actual event. Um, Yeah, I mean, any kind of live
0: performance, you're going to have to... Get your stuff together, get your act together. Yeah,
1: you, you have to formulate a performance that will get people excited, and usually that will require a band of at least a few people. So and I think one popular misconception that exists is that if you're a composer, you automatically can perform your music live, and you can do it well, which mm-hmm. is actually not true. Right. Um, when we were working with Manami Matsumaya early on, she was actually very apprehensive about performing live because it's not something she had ever done before, and it's not something she had a lot of confidence in. So, just a piece of tr- as a piece of trivia, her first performance at Bit Summit two years ago was a one-handed performance, Whoa. like literally, she used only one hand on her synthesizer <laughs> um, because she wasn't confident that she could uh, perform with both hands. Whoa. You know, because she, she was a, a bit of a shy person. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's not super shy, but she can be camera shy, I guess. Right. Right. And, and uh, this was definitely true when we first started working with each other a few years ago. But, you know, all these requests for performances came. We ended up traveling to many places. And at MAGFest, she was at it with both hands. like nice. Much more complex, much more well-developed. So she's actually come a long way. Uh, as a live performer and she still doesn't really like it per se, but <laughs> I mean, it you know, it it goes back to the motivation that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. If people show that they really want it, then how can she say no? Sure. Basically.
0: Yeah. And to have this kind of attention, like if you're a career that's spanned since, you know, the eighties to know that like it's 2015, 2016, and there's still that many people who want to hear more. Like, right. That's gotta be encouraging.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, keep the good vibes going. Yeah, well, I don't know if this is necessarily a good place to talk about this, but the Street Fighter II vinyls. Oh, okay. Uh, we finished manufacturing them in March, but uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, messages about you know where people's orders are, and you know we're very we're very sorry that there was a delay. But basically this part of the process is out of our hands because we ship the vinyls from Japan to both the UK and the U S. So they're actually, actually they're in both countries already, but they're just being um, inspected by the customs authorities for each country. You know, they're checking to see if there's no contraband or anything illegal about what we're, (laughs) what we're trying to send over to each country. So once
0: you didn't hide a little something in each one of the street fighter vinyls.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately there are no surprises. (laughs) but you know we're we're trying our best to get it out as quickly as possible so if everyone can just kind of bear with us just a few days longer yep i was uh, actually well,
0: lucky enough cuz you were in town for gdc in san francisco and i it's the first time i'd actually seen and like held and you know messed with the vinyl set at all so while while the wait is longer than any of us would like uh the mm-hmm. wait is definitely worth it cuz it is definitely a just a magical piece of uh history
1: yeah, I think even even the biggest vinyl enthusiasts will be very surprised at what we've uh, come to present. So it was a lot of hard work, but, you know, we learned a lot from it. And we'll definitely, for our next project, which is definitely forthcoming, I'll just tell you that. Yeah, I can't yeah. say what it is, sure. but we do have a project or some projects forthcoming that will include mm. vinyl and, and include classic games.
0: Yeah. Uh, And a lot of that is uh, because listeners of the show and fans of Brave Wave in general, like a lot of people stepped up uh, when the Street Fighter project was announced. And I mean, all that did was kind of ensure that more things like this would happen.
1: Absolutely, yes. So definitely, uh, please keep up with us. Um, We'll definitely be talking to you more about that in the near future. Mm -hmm. And if you ordered a Street Fighter 2 vinyl, please uh, just bear with us a little longer. We're going to get this sorted out as soon as possible. And hopefully you'll have your vinyl before long
0: and uh, to keep up with that you can follow us on twitter that's twitter uh, at Brave Wave music same with the facebook page facebook.com slash bravewave music you can also find of course the podcast on itunes uh, any kind of rating reviewing liking sharing all that helps us uh, help get the word out to other people who had maybe ordered and are missing the updates and information on various channels and of course all this in addition to the blog itself, where you can find Wavelength, um, the, the page itself, with a comment section below. And we also welcome your comments on the page so we can get feedback on the show, what you like, what you don't like, or any comments about topics we brought up. Um, we did ask for some comments a few weeks ago on a prior episode, and once Muhammad gets back on the show, I think with the next episode, we'll actually be able to address mm. some of those and talk about... Uh, we, we did a whole episode about the, you know, the idea of the backlog of how many things you like oh, I'll get to that one day I'll play that someday or I'll, I'll listen to this album or I'll finish this show and then inevitably that starts piling up and we ask some folks like you know how do you manage with this backlog of things you've been trying to deal with uh, so we can read some of those answers on um. the air but uh, again always appreciate any kind of feedback and uh, help but uh, we'll we'll go out with one of the tracks from Terra Magica and again we uh, encourage you to check it out store.bravewave.net or like Alex said on streaming services like Spotify Apple Music Um, but thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode bye guys thank you